Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Brainchild of one Mark Adam Haggerty 
that is all over the independent scene. He's everywhere, ring announcing, commentating, behind the scenes editing. So he is all over the wrestling scene, and his brainchild was, is the B-plus Players Radio Network. So check that out. Check out all the great shows over there on the network. We're really excited. Mark Adam Haggerty and myself, icon Dan Ramp, amongst others, Sergeant Cash even. Primetime is back. So check out Primetime on YouTube. We're excited to get that back off the ground. A little, little fledgling company. We are the company with a little engine that could. So check out Primetime Wrestling as well. Lots of stuff to get into. Lots of stuff to talk about. A happy, happy new year. For the first time in 2018, let me bring my tag team partner on the line. Dave, happy new year. How are you doing this evening? Thank you very much, and a happy new year to you as well. I feel very welcomed to be back, almost as welcome as Mr. Cotter. And it's great to be here in 2018. It's great to be discussing, you know, pro wrestling. And it's unfortunate, our last show, 2017, some technical glitches. Thank you very much, Vlog Talk. But that still can't stop us here at the Ken Reedy Show from doing what we do best, talking pro wrestling. And I'm excited. I'm ready to rock and roll, as usual. Yeah, I'm pumped on it. It's funny, man, because, you know, you do the Vlog Talk. And it's funny. I feel like now, you know, over the years, and we've been using Vlog Talk for a while, and, uh, you know, I like the fact that we can go live. But I almost at times when we do the show, I feel like uh, – Dave Letterman, when he was on NBC, and he, you know, he's on NBC, but he was bashing the network while he was on the network, and, and I, I, I kind of feel that vibe, like we come on, we're using Blog Talk, but uh, we bash it. I feel like when we're on, we get, we don't, we get on, we do the show, and it's, it's almost like I, I, I start the show up, and as soon as the music hits, I, I feel like for like the next uh, hour and a half, two hours, that I'm kind of on, on a tightrope walk, that at any minute, you know. We might get across the tightrope, but then who knows? Who knows what could happen? But, I, you know, last show, and again, apologies to, to our fans. Um, it, it was odd that, that we here in the studio seemed to get cut off, but I think Dave was actually still on the air, which is wild because that really shouldn't happen. So somehow we got, you know, I, I have to dial into the studio, and this, the, you know, where I am is kind of the, the hub. It's kind of the, the center point, and, Dave called in, so I think some people may have heard you, Dave, for a little bit after we were gone, and it was, it was just a mess. So hopefully 2018 uh, goes a little bit better, and, um, you know, let's get into it, because, you know, the wrestling world is, it's really intriguing how things are, are changing and how the business is changing, and, you know, again, I don't know if, if anyone will ever take over the WWE um, you know, if, if, it, if the WWE ever like is, is vanquished by another company, we're talking like probably decades down the road. Um, but the business is changing and there's lots of stuff outside the WWE for wrestling fans. And I think coming out of 2017, um, the groundwork was really laid for there being a lot of different options out there for, uh, the wrestling fan, uh, to, to, um, to catch their favorite wrestling, to catch different stars, and different stars are getting out and wrestling outside the WWE and making good careers at, uh, for themselves. And uh, I, you know, honestly, and I want, you know, we're going to get into some stuff, but I, I do think that when you look back on on people that changed the business, I do think that Matt Hardy uh, definitely deserves an honorable mention as as he went about the independent scene and kind of you know rebranded himself and and has kind of built himself up, and now he's back in the WWE. And I know a lot of people give Cody Rhodes. A ton of credit, but but to me, uh, you know, he kind of he kind of took what Matt Hardy did and and has gone above and beyond. He's taken and gone farther. 
Um, but, you know, I think Matt Hardy is one of those guys that really kind of changed the game. And so it, it's going to be intriguing as we look at 2018, how the game is going to change, how the wrestling business is going to change, how, you know, where is TNA going to go? How big is ROH going to get? Uh, what does New Japan have in store for us? Lots of stuff out there in the world of pro wrestling. And as we look at the game changing and we look at things uh, becoming different in the wrestling landscape changing, uh, you know, there's probably nothing greater to, to look at than uh, Jericho Omega and, and that whole setup and how that came about and, and, and these two guys getting together, getting it on the squared circle and how Jericho is another guy that's out there kind of changing the landscape and changing the business and changing how independent contractors, quote unquote, pro wrestlers uh, can conduct their own business. And, you know, I want to get into the, the match a bit, um, but I, I do want to get into something. And it's funny, Dave, you know, maybe I, you know, we shouldn't take hiatuses on the show because I generally don't get into it in, uh, you know, debating and stuff on, on other wrestling uh, websites and wrestling uh, Facebook pages. And, and I generally stay away from it. Um, and I think I was kind of um, itching to just uh, talk wrestling or, or give my opinion on something. And, uh, you know, there was an avenue and I kind of got into it with some people on, on a fan. I'm not going to even mention the Facebook page. Um, but I, I'm curious what people think, man, because I, I, I get to a point with, with wrestling fans, and, and I, I don't mean to, to bash some fans, but, but I guess I do because we do it a lot on the show. And, you know, I had, as a wrestling fan, and if you want to disagree, you want to debate this topic, by all means, call us, 347-838-9815. I had a major problem with Jericho's dedication, uh, the match, and, and Jer- dedicating the match to Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero. And, and I don't have a problem with dedicating the match to Eddie Guerrero, as much as we know that Eddie Guerrero had, uh, had his own issues, had his own past, uh, had some laws that he, he may have broken in his past. But I didn't really have a problem with that. I had a major problem with the dedication to, to Chris Benoit. And it, it, it intrigues me how, you know, I, like that, that's my prerogative. That's my prerogative as a consumer. My prerogative is to, if I have a problem with that dedication, if I have a problem with a guy dedicating a match to someone who killed his wife and child, all right, let that sink in, killed his wife and child, it's my right as a consumer not to spend money to support that, that event. Now, Jericho, I, I'm not boycotting the rest of Jericho's career. I don't have a major problem with Jericho. And I know that Jericho probably sees his relationship with Benoit a lot different than the rest of us view that sick son of a bitch. All right, I understand that, and, and I understand that's his prerogative as a human being who lost a friend, lost friends, to dedicate this match um, to them. But I don't, I don't understand that, you know, when we, we talk it like about prerogatives and everything, and, and I got into it with some wrestling fans. I mean, number one, one fan asked me, have I ever worked with anybody with a disability? Which is the, the dumbest question you could ask because that's my career. Okay, number one. Number two, why is it that when there's like murder after murder, like that we see on the news over the course of a year, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you that most of them have some sort of mental illness, mental disability, that we don't make excuses for everybody else. That but wrestling fans, or I shouldn't, a percentage of wrestling fans continue to defend Benoit 
because his brain seemed to, to sustain some damage because of repeated blows to the head, repeated concussions. I mean, these same fans, these same, I'm sorry, these same fucking morons, and if you want to call me on it, I swear to God, call me because I will go at you. These fans, if all of a sudden O.J. Simpson passes away and they do an autopsy on his body, and they say because of his football career that he had brain damage and he probably killed his wife and Ron Goldman because of the brain damage sustained in football, are fans going to make excuses for him? Are fans going to look at O.J. Simpson all of a sudden and say, well, who's a hell of a running back, so, uh, you know, I'm a fan now. I'm a fan of O.J. I mean, Jesus Christ, it, it just it blows me away. Charles Manson had schizophrenia. David Koresh had narcissistic personality disorder. Like, do we make excuses for them? Because Chris Benoit threw a hell of a hip toss. Well, fucking A, that's cool. You killed your wife and your child. There's a child in this world that was sitting in his room, and daddy, daddy walked in. Daddy, the person that should be the utmost in security and and safety and should make the child feel like nothing in the world can hurt them because daddy's here. That child went through daddy killing him. I am so sick and tired of hearing wrestling fans make excuses for for Chris Benoit. He's a fucking murderer. He killed his family. Just stop. Just stop making excuses. It it, it just, and I, I don't know why it gets so under my skin and it infuriates me that, that fans continue to be like, well, do you understand what he was going through? Or, or, you know, he did have a bunch of concussions. Or, you know, I respect him as a wrestler, but I don't like, I don't like what he did. Really? That's the stance you're going to take? So it hits home for me. For whatever reason, I was a big Benoit fan. I dug Benoit. I really did. And I love the fact that the guy had, like, zero charisma, but somehow his intensity created this charismatic aura around him that worked for his character. I, I dug Benoit a lot. But you know what? As soon as I found out what happened to him, and I was heartbroken when I heard that he, he had passed away because the details didn't come out till after. But when I found out what had happened that day, God, I wrote him off. I wrote him off. That, 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 that dude's a piece of shit to me. I'm sorry. He killed his family. And, and I'm, I'm sick of like, you know, this is why I shouldn't get involved in debates. Uh, like, like, just wrestling fans, stop it. Because you make the rest of us look like stupid motherfuckers when you defend someone who killed his family. And, and I try to, when I'm out with non-wrestling fans, to defend our fan base. To, to say, you know, we're, we're just, you know, we're good people that happen to be into this, this wacky world of pro wrestling. And, and, and most fans are, are just fun-loving people. And you know what? When you say shit like that, I can't defend you. You're just a goddamn moron. Your stupidity has no bounds when you try to defend what Benoit did, because perhaps he was suffering from some sort of disability, unless you're the type of person that sits and watches the news. And every time a murder comes across the board, you decide, yeah, well, let's, let's look at his, you know, his, his mental health. And if he has any diagnoses before we judge what he did. All right. So just, just stop it. Just stop it already. So, you know, the stance I took with the match, was that I, as a consumer, was not going to give any money towards this event because I was not in agreement with where the dedication is. Will I watch the match at some point? Perhaps. 
Um, I still have the utmost respect for Chris Jericho. I still am very intrigued with how Jericho is going to change the business and where his career is going to go. Does he show up in the Royal Rumble? Is he come back part-time? What does Jericho do in the future? Um, I, I, I really am. I'm still a Jericho fan. Um, you know, it's just I don't understand why, you know, it, it, if you take a stance as a consumer – that all of a sudden you're you're wrong for for doing that. It, it it just it boggles my mind. It really does. And you know there there are enough times like other wrestling fans. You know stop making us look stupid. Stop making us look like asses. Uh, really, could you please? Um, because you know you don't see football fans running around expounding the virtues of how great a running back OJ Simpson was. So just stop it. Just stop it. And that's it. I'm gonna get off my soapbox now. Because Dave, you actually did see the match. And, uh, you know, if you want to say your piece on, on the Benoit dedication, cool. But I'd like to get back to a little – I just needed to get that off my chest. Um, but I'd like to get back to more of a wrestling conversation. So, again, full admission, I did not see it. Dave, you saw it. Your thoughts on, on Jericho, dedication, changing the business, him versus Omega. Take it away, man. Holy cow, dude. You might as well just end the show right now and roll credits. I can't follow that. <laughs> Holy shit. Whoa. Hey now, no, I, I, I am in all seriousness. I'm in full agreement with your feelings on what took place. Um, I, I could sympathize and understand why you took the prerogative to disagree with Jericho's dedication because of Benoit's involvement and because of everything that Benoit did leading up to the final moments of his life that that caused the life and the life of his own child and his wife. I totally am in agreement for you. It's disgusting. It's disgusting how wrestling fans will, you know, try to vilify um, Benoit and will try to rationalize uh, the things that he did at the end of his life based on the fact that he was a hell of a wrestler. Um, people don't say, people don't even talk about OJ Simpson's football career. I'm glad you brought that up as a, as a great comparison because people don't even talk about OJ Simpson's football career. The only thing they say about OJ Simpson was that if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Like that's what OJ is like synonymous with is what happened is the, the, the murder that he got away with. Most people would think myself included. Um, but there's a side of me that understands why Jericho did that. You know, Wrestling fans have a tendency to be so objective and almost feel like that they are in the business themselves and in the know and have their fingers on the pulse of everything. And they, they, they feel like they're, they're, they're close to the situation because they read what happened on the internet, the news, they watch it, whatever the case is. A lot of wrestling fans are delusional in, in some ways. And so my point I'm trying to get to here is that Jericho had a personal relationship with this man, okay? And I think wrestling fans need to take a step back just a little bit because for the most part, most of these people that are making these comments and, 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 and trying to rationalize Benoit's actions based off of his wrestling ability and what he contributed to the industry, they didn't know the man like Jericho knew the man. In fact, they didn't know the man at all. I'll call everybody out on their bullshit. They didn't know the man at all, okay? Jericho had a close relationship with that man. And Jericho has gone on record publicly and has talked about how he doesn't condone the actions of what he did in the final moments of his life. And he is hurt and ashamed and upset. I listened to Jericho's podcast with Nancy Benoit's sister, Chris Benoit's sister-in-law, where they discussed 
the final moments of his life. It was some really riveting stuff. If you if you ever want to go check it out, you can look in Jericho's archives on his on his podcast. Some really riveting stuff. And um, Jericho openly admits that you know he doesn't condone what happened, and he's disgusted with, by what happened. But that's the, the the individual that left this earth doing what he did to his wife and kids was not the individual that Jericho knew. And I think Jericho, an individual like Jericho, making this dedication is his way of remembering the person that he knew and not the individual that we all remember, unfortunately, due to his actions before he left us here. And I'm talking about Chris Benoit and the murder of his wife and his son and eventually his, his, wife, yeah, his wife and his son and eventually taking his own life. So I could understand Jericho making this dedication and having a having a, a, a rational enough mind to, you know, to, to kind of separate the two, okay? Because I think that's what the wrestling wrestling fans have a problem with is separating the two. And I'm not I'm not pointing at you, Ken, whatsoever. I just want to be clear. You know, you have your prerogative, and I respect that, and I'm in total agreement with you um, as to why you you felt the way you did about the situation. And a lot of people do, and I'm totally in agreement with that. I just think, like you said. The, the the excuses that people make for him because he just, you know, he could perform a great German suplex on a diving headbutt. It's like, it's, it's, it's unreal. It's unimaginable. It's, it's like you said, they're fucking morons. I mean, I kind of, I, I respect, I respect really where you're coming from. And I, I was willing to entertain like that sort of debate. And again, I was kind of like blindsided where, um, yeah, like I get that. I get that. You know why Jericho would do it, and 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 I get where you're coming from. It's just you know, like you could debate the the dedication and whether or not you agree with Jericho and um and why he would do something like that, and that's one thing. But to to take that debate and, and use it to kind of try and make an excuse for what was done by Benoit is just so incredibly asinine to me that I just. It really blew me away, and I'm right there with you. Like I, you know, we might be falling on like different sides of this argument, but um, I, I see your side. The, the one side I can't see is trying to rationalize or defend Benoit's actions. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it like the best way I I, I, I kind of describe this is like imagine imagine let's just say I'll I'll, put, I'll take myself as an example. Imagine. You know, if I was friends with, I was friends with you, okay? And you, I've known you for a long time, and the person that I know is a good-hearted, fun-loving person, cares about people, and out of the blue, you decide you want to go off your girlfriend and then off yourself, and, you know, and then everyone, your loved ones are all in shock. You know, I choose to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be happy with the decision that you made because I lost a friend and I would think that what you did to your girlfriend and yourself is wrong. And I'm pretty sure that'll never happen, by the way, but this is the closest (laughs) example. Like this is the closest example I could make, but I would choose to remember the individual that I knew that the way that that person treated me. And that's what I try to, that's what I try to, to, when I, when I, when I try to make comparisons and explain, you know, Jericho's actions, I guess making an excuse for Jericho's dedication, so to speak. Now I'm done talking about all that shit. Okay. 
we, we, you and I are both on a good understanding about this situation. We both respect each other's opinions and agree and disagree on some stuff, but we're in agreement that there's a lot of really idiotic wrestling fans out there, and they need to be called out <laughs> in their bullshit. And I'll be glad to do it with you, buddy, all right? Now, on to the real good stuff, the fun stuff, the stuff that makes this show what it is today, the actual wrestling. I watched the match, and I thought it was a great match. Um, not realizing when the, when the match aired, um, I wasn't, I sure as hell wasn't going to go buy it on pay-per-view and watch it at three o'clock in the morning. Um, because there's other things I have to do with my life that's called sleep. Um, but I woke up and I forgot it was on. I saw a couple of guys on the saw fan page that they, uh, that, that they had posted a link and I, it was like 15 minutes into the match. Cause I think the match went like over 30 minutes. So I made sure that I, I wouldn't watch it. And then I watched the, 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 the full link on YouTube, and I thought top to bottom it was a great match. I really did. I thought the build up to get there, the setup was very old school. Um, with the, I loved it when Jericho and Omega had the brawl at the at the press conference. I thought it was very. Um, it had that kind of like that old Mike Tyson boxing feeling, like when Tyson would have those press conferences with guys, and sometimes a brawl would erupt. Like that's what it felt like in the build up for Omega and Jericho with that setting. But the match itself, I thought it was great. Um, I like Omega. I think he's super talented. I think he's one of the best guys, best workers in the business today. Um, but I don't, I'm not all up in his jock like all you idiots on the internet are 24 7, 365. The sun doesn't set and the sun doesn't raise with Kenny Omega in the world of professional wrestling, in my opinion. Okay. I'm in agreement. He's a talented dude, but you know, if he doesn't do 400 flippy do's and he doesn't get a seven star rating from Dave Meltzer, then the whole goddamn internet's going to riot. I was so afraid that this match was going to be, well, if, if he didn't do all these spots and, you know, the guys didn't kick out of each other's finishers 45 times a day, everyone on the internet was going to think this match sucked. But everyone on the internet thought this match was great, and I think it was because a testament to Jericho. Jericho's a pro. He's old school. I'm pretty sure that he probably was the guy that directed most of this match and called most of the spots. You didn't see, you know, Omega kicking out of Jericho's code breaker 12 times. You didn't see Jericho, you know, kick out of, uh, you know, whatever Omega's finish is. I don't even know his finish. I'm probably going to get crucified by the internet for not knowing his finish, but fuck you anyways. So with that being said, great match, great storytelling. Um, I'm really interested to see where Jericho goes. It's, he looks like he's going to do some more stuff with New Japan. It wouldn't surprise me if there's a rematch between him and Omega down the line. There's been rumors they might do the match on that Jericho rock and roll uh, uh, wrestle vessel, that cruise that he's hosting in October. There's a chance that might take place on there. Uh, I know Jericho set up a storyline with, um, forgive me if I can't pronounce his name, um, Karyatsu Nato. Um, I'm sure I'll get blasted for that too. You're welcome, Internet. Um, um, at, the, at, a, at an event following the Wrestle Kingdom event, so it looks like Jericho might be back to have a match with him. Um, Jericho's gone on record saying that he wants to be the Brock Lesnar of New Japan Pro Wrestling, where he can just kind of come and go and work with some of the big names. It's rumored he could face Kazuchika Okada at some point, um, who is the IWGP heavyweight champion. So it looks like Jericho's going to kind of have, you know, a uh, you know, little runs here and there, make some brief appearances in New Japan and help build New Japan's fan base here in the United States, which I think was a smart move for him going over there and doing the match with Omega. Um, Jericho, to me, is probably one of the most innovative guys, probably the most innovative guy in the business. Um, At 44 years old, he keeps his finger on the pulse, and he knows what the people like and what they don't like. And uh, 
He's helping build his brand while also making the industry as a whole, and especially the industry outside of WWE, a better industry, which people complain about. Um, that WWE is, you know, the only game in town and the top dog or whatever. New Japan's up there too, you know, and I think their their fan base exploding in the United States. Jericho's really helped with that. And uh, I look forward to seeing what Jericho does in the future. I'm sure he'll go back to WWE at some point because that's his home. It's always going to be his home. But right now Jericho is, um, you know, taking offers from the most in- intriguing and obviously the uh, the the – the buyer that wants him the most. And right now, New Japan's it. So I look forward to seeing where, where Jericho and his future is in the business. Cause it's all good stuff. Yeah, man. And it's just good to get back to talking about wrestling. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting how uh, when you, when you look at the business now and you look at what Jericho's doing and, and uh, you know, how he's changing things and um, you know, what Cody Rhodes is doing in, in the business and uh you know, I think that the, you, you see the landscape really changing that, you know, it, 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 sh- it's, it, it intrigues me so much because, you know, really and truly now, it almost like it reminds me a lot of um, in the music business when years ago, going back like the 90s, when Prince uh, was fighting uh, his record label, was fighting Warner Brothers. And, you know, basically for him as an artist, the realization that, um, yes, there's a need for a record company when you're you're coming up and you're you need to get discovered and they can provide you with that, that platform and and get your name out. But once you establish yourself, um, you don't need it. And you know, the, the crux of Prince's fight was really I don't need my record company anymore. I can put out my own music because I can sell based on who I am. And it's intriguing because when I look at the wrestling business now, um, with so many independents out there, so many different promotions to, to go to, uh, so many promotions that are willing to pay for names to come and wrestle for them, that it's almost like you can, if you can get to the WWE and establish yourself as, as a name, as a draw, um, then either ask for your release or when you get future endeavor, you get out there, you don't necessarily need the WWE and you can kind of go out there and make your own schedule. And there's enough independence out there where you can, uh, you know, set your price and, and try to work out how many dates you need to work to make the salary you need to make. And um, it, it's just, it's, it's, sorry. <laughs> that was the alarm to brush my dog's teeth. It just went off. Um, anyway. Um, I think it's fascinating when you look at uh, how the business could be changing. Um, and, and Jericho is, is one of those guys that's kind of on the forefront. So um, as much as I think when we come to the end of 2018, the WWE will still be king. Um, I'm really intrigued to see what we're looking at as far as the landscape of the wrestling business. Once this year is over three, four, seven, eight, three, nine, eight, one, five is the number to call. Again, like I said at the top of the show, it's all on the table. You want to talk Jericho Omega? You want to talk about the dedication? You want to talk about some other stuff going on? You want to talk about just the landscape of wrestling as a whole? Give us a call. Let's talk about it. But right now, it is time for the Day 5 50-50 News Report. Good evening, and welcome to the most comprehensive news report in the pro wrestling podcast game today, the very first of 2018. This is the Dave 5 50-50 News Report. Only heard 
at the top of the hour right here at the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. Now, before I get into this week's top stories, don't forget to search, like, and or follow B-Plus Players Radio, where you will find this show, along with countless others that delve into the world of professional wrestling on a daily basis. You can find this show after it airs late Sunday evening, possibly early Monday morning. And that's all thanks to this guy. You may know him as the Dr. Frankenstein of B-Plus, but I'd like to refer to him as the talk-to-text technician, Mr. Mark Adam Haggerty. Hashtag inside joke. The guy who steers the ship of B-Plus has his very own show you should check out. It's called The Outsider's Edge. Search B-Plus Players Radio on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and possibly Snapchat. I think those negotiations are still ongoing at this time. To find out that we are a part of the ever-evolving pro wrestling podcast game in 2018. What are you waiting for? Do it right now. Well, not exactly right now because it's now time to get into this week's top stories. You can search for us after this show airs just in case if you're wondering. Here we go. First story this week. The Wrestling Observer reported this and it is spread like wildfire. And I'm not talking about Tommy Rich. But there is talk that WWE programming may end up airing on Fox, the Fox Network after their television contract expires with NBC Universal in 2019. A few months back, there was rumor and innuendo on the dirt sheets that WWE COO Triple H met with executives at Fox Network regarding WWE programming. Talks were said to be in the early stages at that time and not official, as clauses and contracts prevent networks from negotiating with potential television partners such as WWE. Anyhow, the scuttlebutt going around in the industry is that if UFC doesn't intend to renew their deal with Fox, then WWE may be the ones to fill the void with their programming. Raw would potentially air on Fox's main channel and would air from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., cutting out the third hour due to Fox airing local news at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. SmackDown Live, they would air on Fox Sports 1. The feelings that WWE's programming could fill up some of the other Fox channels that are airing UFC content. The other major footnote to this story is that Fox may be interested in buying WWE. Most feel that Vince McMahon wouldn't sell at this time. However, if Fox were to offer WWE the $3.5 billion they allegedly offered the UFC, then Vince might have a change of heart. Allegedly, Vince is hoping that WWE stock will hit $40 a share due to WWE's television contract negotiations next year. And then Vince would sell off small shares of his majority stock while still maintaining voting control within the company. If Fox were to own WWE, then television rights fees would be a non-factor as they wouldn't have to pay to air WWE content since they own it, an advantage Turner Broadcasting had when they owned WCW, World Championship Wrestling. Some believe that the reasons mentioned earlier in this story is why McMahon launched Alpha Entertainment for the rumored relaunch of the XFL Football League. WWE and Fox are no strangers to one another as they work together to air and produce two editions of Saturday night's main event in 1992. Our second story this week, an abrupt end to the in-ring career has come for WWE superstar Paige. News broke this week, courtesy of PW Insider, that WWE officials and their medical team will not clear Paige to return to in-ring action. Allegedly, Paige was made aware of this news backstage at Monday Night Raw last week. This news comes off the heels of an in-ring scare at a live event over the holidays in Long Island, New York, when Paige took a drop kick to the back of the head at the hands of Sasha Banks in a six-woman tag team match. When Paige was unable to continue the match, the bout was immediately stopped, 
so medical staff could tend to Paige. She managed to walk out on her own accord. However, it's being reported that she may have suffered a stinger in her neck. On a personal note, what I find interesting in all this is how WWE medical staff has handled the situation based off of information that I've researched. Firstly, the Spotlight Wrestling Group on Facebook posted a link to the Lillian Garcia podcast where Paige was interviewed before making her return. What I find intriguing in all of this is Paige declared that a non-WWE physician would not clear her to return to action following her recovery from neck surgery. Now, she didn't elaborate if this was her primary physician that performed the surgery, but she did make it clear that the doctor would not clear her to return. Now, with all the talk of WWE's medical staff not clearing Daniel Bryan to return, despite multiple and reputable outside physicians and neurologists clearing Bryan for in-ring action, I find the situation a tad perplexing and something Ken and I could discuss further after the break. If you want in on the discussion, then dial it up. 347-838-9815 is the number to call to let us know what you think regarding this matter. Now, as far as where Paige goes from here, some have speculated she may take a role as a coach at the WWE Performance Center, possibly keeping her role on air, but as a manager or an on-air authority figure. And that's what seems to be the trend with WWE these days, judging by Daniel Bryan's character on SmackDown Live. Or my guess, maybe she takes on the role as a female commentator. This women's evolution has taken high praise for being able to produce many firsts for the women in WWE. Why not put her behind the booth and see what she's made of? That's just my take on it. Our third story, January is usually free agent month within the wrestling industry, and this story highlights quite a few names that are moving on with their in-ring careers. So sit back, relax, and take a listen as I've got a handful of talents to list off. First off, this past weekend marked the final independent dates for Ricochet and War Machine, as both Ricochet and Warbeard Hansen gave farewell speeches to the prospective independent promotions, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla and Chaotic Wrestling, before allegedly heading to WWE. Hansen and his partner Roe, who comprised War Machine, had been mainstays in Ring of Honor the last few years, with a few stints in New Japan Pro Wrestling, holding the IWGP Tag Team titles. Ricochet worked under a mask as Prince Puma for Lucha Underground. His contract with the promotion expired after the airing of Season 3. Ricochet was recently backstage at the SmackDown Live TV tapings in Orlando, fueling the rumors that he is WWE bound. Both Ricochet and War Machine have been on WWE's radar for quite some time, but the company was looking to negotiate with them respectively when their deals had expired. Pending the standard physicals talents participate in, both Ricochet and War Machine are expected to report to the WWE Performance Center shortly, with NXT being the likely home base for them at this time. According to PW Insider, their signings could be officially announced as early as this week, along with female independent star Candice LeRae, the wife of NXT star Johnny Gargano. A man who's very familiar with NXT is former NXT champion and former WWE Cruiserweight champion Neville who walked out on the company in the fall of 2017. WWE officials were hopeful they would reach an agreement for his return. However, it looks as if talks have soured between both sides, and Neville will be sitting out the remainder of his WWE contract. A former TNA World Heavyweight Champion and a huge name from Impact Wrestling received his swan song this past weekend, and that was EC3. He has been rumored to depart the promotion for a few months now as his contract was set to expire sometime in April of this year. However, Anthem Media officials granted his early release from the company, resulting in his character being written off TV at last night's tapings. 
Carter recently put in for copyright and trademark patents for the EC3 character, which could indicate that he was on his way out of the promotion. Many speculate that he is another big name expected to sign with WWE sometime in 2018. EC3 worked for WWE previously as Derek Bateman on NXT until he was released in the spring of 2013. And just as EC3 made his grand exit from the promotion, Austin Aries has made his return to Impact Wrestling at this past week's television tapings. Aries, who was released from WWE in July, has been making the rounds on the independent scene and all over the globe. But on a mainstream level, he's been keeping his distance until now. Spoiler alert, the greatest man that ever lived wasted no time acquiring more championship gold as he won the Impact Wrestling World title at this past week's TV tapings, which can be seen on a future episode of Impact Wrestling on Pop TV. Anthem Media and Impact Wrestling, considering nobody watches your show, I'll gladly say you're welcome for the free advertising. My fourth story this week comes from the much-anticipated 10,000-seat arena event aptly named All In, which is being funded by Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks, which I can now report has a date. That date, September 1st, 2018. Promotional artwork was revealed by Cody and the Bucks on Twitter last week with the aforementioned trio listed, as well as IWGP United States champion Kenny Omega and the television star from the hit TV show Arrows, Stephen Amell also will be taking part in this event. Their roles on the show is undetermined at this time, but we cover here on this show that Cody and the Bucks have been pushing for Daniel Bryan to take part in this event if he does not renew his WWE deal. Many speculate that if Bryan does not appear, that the highly anticipated match between Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes will headline this event. This anticipated bout is also rumored to take place before September 1st, at Ring of Honor's Supercard of Honor during WrestleMania weekend in April. As far as where this event will take place, the locations have come down to Chicago and the Southern California area. Details as to when a formal announcement of this event's location has not been made at this time. In rounding out the report this week, it wouldn't be January without a little WrestleMania season rumors to get Fantasy Booker's creative juices flowing. Now, with the unprecedented first-ever Women's Royal Rumble match set to take place at the Royal Rumble event, rumors have begun to fill up the dirt sheets of potential surprises in the female Rumble match. Former women's competitors such as the Bella Twins, Michelle McCool, Lita, Trish Stratus, and Beth Phoenix have all been named dropped on the dirt sheets as part of this, this discussion. One name who's been in that steady rotation is former UFC star Ronda Rousey. Rousey was spotted at dinner in Los Angeles with WWE COO Triple H, courtesy of TMZ.com. A story that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer speculates was leaked by WWE themselves to gain some traction for when Ronda appears on WWE television. Many speculate that this could be a sign that Rousey shows up in Philadelphia on the 28th. Another huge WrestleMania season rumor that needs to be discussed and is one that tends to find its way into the rumor rotation around this time of year, and that centers around The Undertaker. Many felt the dead man was calling it quits after last year's WrestleMania when he laid down his ring gear in the middle of the ring. For years, Taker has told those close to the situation that he's done wrestling, especially after reports of last year when it was alleged that WWE officials urged Taker to walk away after his match with Roman Reigns due to his ongoing health issues. It now seems that after undergoing hip replacement surgery, many feel, having seen the Dead Man backstage at Survivor Series in November and at last week's SmackDown Live television taping in Alabama, 
Describe the takers in great shape and someone who wants that infamous one more match. With WWE advertising Undertaker to appear at the 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw on the 22nd, the rumor mill suggests that his WrestleMania involvement will begin on that show. The Wrestling Observer reports that the idea going forward is for Undertaker to appear and cut a promo, hinting towards retirement when John Cena will make an appearance, challenging Undertaker to just one more match at WrestleMania. Names such as X-Pac, Jerry the King Lawler, and Bruce Pitchard have gone on record publicly saying that they feel The Undertaker is not done and wasn't done after WrestleMania 33, despite the way his character was portrayed after losing to Roman Reigns. WWE creative and management have been very careful on TV when mentioning Undertaker's status since WrestleMania 33 by referencing his retirement as alleged and only Roman Reigns would state in various promos that he was the one to retire The Undertaker. It's also being reported that allegedly Undertaker requested to Vince McMahon that he work with John Cena at last year's WrestleMania. And originally McMahon obliged until he decided to go in a different direction and put Reigns in the match instead of Cena. Regardless, there seems to be mixed reviews of this potential announcement as Undertaker's health has appeared to have been on a steady decline to most fans for a few years now. But we will all have to wait and see what is in store at the upcoming Raw 25 special. What's that old saying, new year, new me? Well, if that philosophy applies to you, then maybe you need to apply new home decor to your humble abode with door decor. Wrestling fans, if your love life was sporting a batting average in the negatives, then look no further than door decor. Reach out to Nicole on Facebook right now so she can help you find the perfect piece to hang in your home to impress that special someone. Need an idea for a special gift that may seal the deal on a promising love life? Shop door decor. If you don't have style or you don't have taste, let Nicole help you out. Maybe you're a wrestling fan and you have a hard time letting go of your fandom in hopes that you find that special someone. Nicole can custom design a special pro wrestling theme style wreath to hang proudly on your front door. It's like a compromise. You can show your love for wrestling while still displaying your sensitive side to the apple of your eye. Maybe you'd rather not dig yourself into a deeper hole by revealing your wrestling fandom, and you want to show the one you love that there's more to you than your squared circle fandom? Nicole can help you out with that, too, by choosing through some seasonal designs that can add the perfect touch to your living quarters. That's if you don't live in your parents' basement. Bottom line here is Shop Door Decor on Facebook right now to find out that your love life has a chance of kicking out at two. There you have it, folks. Thanks for bearing with me on the very first Day 550 News Report of 2018. Check back here next week at the top of the hour for all the dirt and gossip that only I can deliver so eloquently. More pro wrestling talk is on the way, so let's send it back to Ken. Take it away. And thanks, Dave. Lots of great stuff in the first edition of the Day 5 News Report. A lot of stuff, you know, lots of the piggyback off of and. uh I'd like to get into some some taker conversation perhaps in a little bit, but uh, why don't we hit upon um, I think the page story is it's pretty interesting. Um, and look, anytime you see someone get hurt in the ring, um, you know it's it's not a good thing. I mean, you don't want to see anyone's career end up like this. And and page, you know, interesting, uh, you know, career as you know, page. Uh, pretty significantly quick rise to the top. Um, looked like someone who uh, was going to be a major star for quite some time. A lot of controversy but behind the scenes. Uh, all the stuff that went on with Alberto Del Rio, 
triumphant return to the WWE, back to some injury action, and now it looks like her career is over. So uh, quite the rocky road when you look at Paige's career. Um, and, and if you've listened to the show, you know that I am not um, the biggest Sasha Banks fan. And, and I don't know what happened in that ring. And I think, to your point, Dave, and, and maybe, you know, we, we come at it from a wrestling point of view, um, but maybe it is societal more than just wrestling. But I think fans across the board, um, in, in a lot of different areas of life, you, you got to stop talking about things like you know. Um, again, not a Sasha fan, so I'm not a fan. I'm not defending her because uh, I'm a fan of hers or anything like that. Um, but it was amazing that, you know, maybe Paige is more of an internet darling right now than Sasha is. But right after this happened, um, a lot of venom online. Uh, a lot of stuff I saw, uh, a lot of stuff like, you know, Sasha's always been reckless and you knew this was going to bound to happen. Um, it's not fair that Sasha did this. Someone needs to fire Sasha, yada, yada, yada. And I found it very intriguing that I just, I, I didn't think that people thought that of Sasha. Now, you know, when I went to wrestling school, um, you know, we were taught never to kick someone in the back. Um, now, it, that's the school I went to. Um, everyone knows the school that I went to. And I'm not necessarily going to sit here and say that the school I went to is the greatest wrestling school on the planet. And that all the lessons learned there were necessarily 100% correct. Um, you know, I just know we got that lesson. And maybe it was just for us as novices. That was, uh, you know, why we were told that. Um, there's so much that goes into this. Now, we don't know if, if Paige called the move and it was just a little off. Um, look, if Sasha took it upon herself uh, and, and they didn't go over this beforehand and it wasn't called and she just decides she's going to kick Paige in the back like that, um, and Paige wasn't ready for it, and it, then Sasha is 100% wrong. Um, but I'm, I'm willing at least to, to hear, you know, both sides of the story and hear exactly what happened. And um, as long as I, I haven't heard exactly what happened, then I can't really totally condemn Sasha for, for doing the wrong thing. Um, you know, it's a shame. Uh, Paige is a talented uh, wrestler, Um so, I mean, it, it's, it's a shame that this would have to happen to her, but definitely a rocky road uh, for her career. And, and interesting stuff, Dave, you know, it, it's intriguing to see, you know, when you look at these, these wrestlers and, and the doctors involved and, you know, again, and for you, like you do a great job at doing the news, but you can only get so much information. All of us as fans can only get so much information. And to be honest with you, you should be listening to this show because, most of y'all, when you get your information, like hear one soundbite or one like tweet and you take it as law. Whereas when Dave does his, his news here, he researches it. He finds different sources. He tries to put his news report together where he gets the most information he possibly can. But let's face it, none of us have a, a, a line to, to Vince McMahon's office. We could just ring him up and say, so could you tell us the truth here? I mean, everything you hear online is, is speculation and you try to, get as close to the truth as, as possible when, when you're reporting news, but everything is, it needs to be taken with a grain of salt. So um, I think Dave, like part of your report, which I found really intriguing is, you know, the medical stuff and how, you know, who gets cleared when and what doctors clearing who at, at what time and what injuries end someone's career and what injuries don't. And um, I, I would love to discuss this further and elaborate it because I find it fascinating 
just like as soon as this happened, it was like Paige's career is over. Um, and when you look at a guy like Daniel Bryan and, and his stuff with doctors, very intriguing stuff when you look at the WWE with injuries and, and how they handle uh, medical issues and, and whether or not people's careers are over. I'm no medical expert. I am certainly not a medical physician. I could hardly put a Band-Aid on my finger when I cut my finger, but I could tell you this much. I, judging by the information that is at our fingertips, what we know and what we've heard in interviews with talents and people that are close to that situation, it just comes across to me like WWE's medical staff treats everything on a case-by-case basis. And in some regards, maybe they should, but I feel like you know, if at the end of the day, the decisions they make is for the safety of the talent, then they have a funny way of showing it in different situations. You know, I'm not saying it's like, I'm not, I'm not pulling any conspiracy theories out here whatsoever, but I just feel like some of it is politics. I'm going to just be straight up with you. This may not be the popular thing for me to say, and I'm sure that there might be people that don't like what I'm about to say, but I feel like in a situation like Daniel Bryan, who is so passionate about wrestling, loves wrestling so much, he had his, you know, he was forced to step away by WWE's medical staff. He went on his own dime across the country, the UCLA, University of Phoenix, saw all, you know, went to, the um, doctors in New York City does the hyperbaric chamber treatments. Saw all the best neurologists and, and specialists with concussions that told him that he's he's healthier and good to go and 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 ready to get back in the ring. And yet WWE's medical staff says, "Well, no, we don't feel he's ready. We're not going to clear him." Yet an outside physician tells Paige, "You shouldn't wrestle ever again after the type of neck injury you had following her surgery." but then they gave her the green light to start taking bumps and working a match. Like to me, I just feel like where's it should be the same across the board. And I'll be quite honest with you. This may be another unpopular thing for me to say, but you know, John Cena, who is a big name in the company, who's probably got a lot of clout, you know, in in the higher, one of the higher ranking talents in the company. I mean, he works a part-time schedule now. He's deserved that. But his girlfriend, his future wife, fiance, whatever you want to call her, Nikki Bella, has a history with neck issues. She had to cut her career short because of neck issues. But apparently there's talk of her coming back and competing in the Royal Rumble. What happens if someone kicks her in the back of the head? Are you going to tell John Cena, the number one guy in the company, that his girlfriend or his wife can't wrestle anymore because of her neck injury? I would hope you would. But part of me thinks that I just feel like we talked about it on this show a few months ago. They cleared Kurt Angle. With all due respect to Kurt Angle, I love the guy. Hell of a contributor to the business, probably one of the best performers out there. But in 2018, even in 2017, he's got no business being in a ring, considering his history with neck, with neck issues and, of course, which led to his pain prescription and alcohol problem from the injuries in wrestling. And, and I just feel like if they weren't under the microscope with the concussion lawsuit that they have right now, they wouldn't be so quick to – pull the trigger and say, yep, you're done. You can't wrestle anymore. You know, there's been rumors that Seamus has been dealing with some neck issues that could lead to spinal stenosis. Who had spinal stenosis in 2011 and was told he could never wrestle again? Edge. But they're still letting Seamus wrestle. It's just weird to me. And maybe it's because I'm not a doctor and I'm not close to the situation, but from the information that I can tell and from what I've seen and heard, a lot of these cases are just very weird to me and how the WWE medical staff handles things. And here's the big kicker. 
For some of you football fans that listen to this podcast, the doctor, the head medical physician for WWE, you know who he is? Dr. Joseph Maroon, the same guy who was in the middle of the controversy with the NFL and their concussion issues that resulted in that billion-dollar class action lawsuit, okay? Just think about that for a minute here. The guy who was, who, who was overseeing all of, these, all of these football players and then some of them dying because of their concussion issues, some things that he missed, he's on, their, he's on WWE's payroll. Not to say that he's a horrible doctor by any means because I don't know the man and I don't know anything other than what I know about him, but holy cow, like to me I just feel like, I don't know, I'm just perplexed by this whole thing medically. Maybe I need some clearance, maybe – if you're a doctor and you listen to the show, call in. Maybe you want to tell me. Maybe put, set my mind at ease. But I, I don't know. I just feel very, like I said, perplexed that that medically some of these decisions that they make on talents are so, like like I said, case by case instead of, like, straight up across the board. Everyone's safety is important. It's like they pick and choose, like, well, who's important to keep on the roster and who's not important or who we don't care about? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just going off on a tangent. Ken, you take it from here. I don't know what else to say about this. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think it's an excellent point because, you know, um, Kurt Angle it was a really good example because if there was ever a guy that you would look at that probably should never I – mean, I mean, that guy shouldn't be cleared probably to drive, let alone wrestle. And, and right there with you, big fan of Kurt Angle's. Um, you know, seeing him back in the ring, you know, it's like, yay, Kurt Angle's back. But, you know, I mean, I remember, you know, my, my buddy Dave LaGreca from uh, Busted Open, which, by, by the way, is moving to mornings now. It's going to be going three hours every morning. Crazy stuff. So congratulations, uh, Dave LaGreca and the Busted Open crew over there. Um, but he had said to me that, you know, he, Kurt Angle was in studio once. And if, if something happened behind him or someone called his name, and he had to look behind him. He literally had to turn his whole body. That he, he's unable to really move his head side to side much at all. That's how bad his neck is. And, and look, man, the, the, one, the one guy, the one person or entity, whatever you want to call it, who is undefeated in all battles is Father Time. And, you know, as Kurt, like Kurt Angle is supposed to be better now that he's older. I mean, I think it's great that he's clean and he's got his life together. Um, so you bring up a really good point. Like who, like how do they clear what guys? And, and you know, would, would, you know, like guys like Kurt Angle and Paige, could they get cleared at some point and come back into a WWE ring because it's neck issues, but because of all the, uh, controversy and stuff surrounding concussions and Daniel Bryan having concussion issue. Um, is, is that the reason why they don't let uh, Daniel Bryan come back? Um, is, is the whole Daniel Bryan, you know, once he's back in a ring that the, the, the internet will go batshit crazy and try to, you know, hijack raw again and screw up a, a road to WrestleMania. I mean, let's face it, you know, one of the things that fascinates me about, about some wrestling fans um, is, is how they, they can't look at the business side of things. And like, if, if Daniel Bryant ever came back to wrestling, if, if, if I'm Vince McMahon, that dude doesn't sniff a title for at least a year. I don't put my eggs in the Daniel Bryan basket ever again until I can see that he can handle the punishment 
uh, over the course of a WWE schedule at least a year. But if Daniel Bryan came back, you know, fans would just be clamoring for him to go after the Universal, the WWE title right away. So, you know, to your point, Dave, is this a political thing? Is this, you know, they have an excuse now to keep Daniel Bryan on the bench and that's right where they want him? Is it a creative thing? Is it purely the concussion thing and that controversy? Um, It is intriguing. And, you know, you're right. Like when you hear these stories, you don't hear, you know, we as fans, I guess, you know, don't dissect it often. So when you hear like, oh, this person's done, this person's out for, you know, three months, six months, a year, uh, this person is cleared to come back. We just kind of don't give it a, a second thought. Um, but there are definitely some inconsistencies with how the WWE handles medical. And you're right, man. Like, if there's a doctor out there that can uh, clarify some things, neither one of us are doctors. Um, I've been hurt enough times. I've had enough surgeries. Thank you very much. But, uh, um, you know, none of us here are doctors. So, you know, 347 if you're a medical professional shed some light on some of this thing, but uh, I think it's really intriguing, Dave, and, uh, you know, that there is some some inconsistencies on how someone's cleared, how they would be cleared, um, when they're cleared, and, and to, to that end, you know, it's interesting when you think of health, and you think of a guy like The Undertaker, where all the rumors circulating that, that he wants to, to come back for, for one last match, and God, Jesus. I mean, I know that it's, you know, head, neck, or a different ball game, but, I mean, when it comes to The Undertaker, it seems like, you know, his entire body is is one big injury. Um, again, no one's beaten Father Time. Um, you know, and when, when you look at the possibility, look, on pay, and that's the thing, man, with, with, with fans and stuff, and, and all of us, like, we can, like, mark out at times because of the fantasy of, of what could be and what a match could be. And I remember when there was all the speculation of we're going to see Undertaker sting and, and fans going gaga about it. it's going to be Undertaker sting. And I remember as a fan thinking this match is not going to be good. You, you got two guys who are over the hill, um, who, you know, are, are end of, of their career and, and the setup and the build would be phenomenal, but I really didn't want to see that match happen. Um, after last year, and, and this is what's intriguing to me, and I'm really curious your take on this, Dave, but when I I was at WrestleMania, and I'll tell you something, man. It is really difficult to give a review uh, if you're a wrestling fan. Um, and last year, you know, after, you know, training in a wrestling ring, doing this show, um, analyzing and overanalyzing, as we do, and we have fun here but dissecting matches, uh, reviewing things, giving picks, uh, being in the ring, uh, dealing with some assholes in the business, all that stuff, it, it like soured me. I say soured me, but what I wanted to do last year when I went to WrestleMania was, I, and all of us, you know, I went with Rocky, Michelle, and, and we all kind of made this decision as, like, we're going to be fans. Piss off to everyone who's like, oh, you're just a mug. Yeah, you know what? I was. I was a total mark, and I was goddamn proud to be a mark last year. I just, I just marked out. I was like, why, why can't we? It, it's such a, it's so weird, the wrestling fandom and, and workers in the business. It's like, don't be a mark. and don't, It's all bullshit, man. Like, if you love wrestling, love wrestling. 
I don't understand like the derogatory comment of like, you know, you know, if you go into a, you go to a match, you're you're a mark. If you if you wear a wrestling T-shirt, you're just being a mark. Um, it's so dumb. And so we made this conscious decision marks. to go. In. We're all marks, exactly. We made this conscious decision last year that we're we're going to Mania and we're we're going to be marks. We're going to be fans. We're just going to be fans. We're going to enjoy ourselves. We're going to jump out of our seats in big moments, and we're just going to really embrace the, the pageantry and the spectacle that is WrestleMania. And that all being said, it's really difficult when you're there and you're buying in and enjoying the spectacle to be objective when you're reviewing things. Cause you just come out because the spectacle is, is so grandiose. You just come out like, yeah, it was awesome. Everything was awesome. And the Undertaker versus Roman Reigns, um, the, the send-off was phenomenal to me. Uh, him, him taking off the jacket, folding it up. Um, to me, it, it, was, it was a perfect send-off, and, and I loved it. And I walked out of there thinking, what a great moment. What a great match that was. What The, the young versus the old. This is it for Taker. And the thing is, as, as most of pro wrestlers, you know, wrestlers don't get a lot of times they don't get a send-off. Uh, you know, Ric Flair in the WWE had a send-off, and I hated when he showed up in, in TNA because I, uh, very few wrestlers get to end their career on a note where, you know, they're paying tribute to you. Um, you, you get to, to, to have the applause, have the accolades, have them cheering your name. Uh, most guys, you know, Mark Henry very quietly announced his retirement this week. Um, you know, guys retire quietly. Some guys, like look at a Hulk Hogan, has been vilified uh, in his years since he was was with the WWE. So I, I mean, I thought this was such a perfect send off for the Undertaker after WrestleMania. I did go back and watch the match on TV, and it was rough. I, I admittedly, I got totally into the pomp and circumstance of it all, and it was not a good match. And it was something where, all right, it wasn't a good match, but at least this was a fitting send-off for The Undertaker. I don't want to see him back. And I'm a big Undertaker fan, and, and I like the idea and the spectacle of it, but he had a great send-off. Um, I don't know when you look at Taker and Cena if Cena's the guy to carry The Undertaker because I think Taker's getting to that point where he kind of needs I – I don't mean any disrespect – but he kind of needs that guy to carry the match with him. Um, so as much as, 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 with all due respect to The Undertaker, I, I think it's time. I don't like this at all. I really don't. I don't like, I, I'm hoping it's all rumor and innuendo, and, and we hear that Taker's just going to be at Mania to get inducted into the Hall of Fame, and, and that's it. And that, that's my stance on it. Um, and I don't want to see this guy seriously get injured in the ring. Um, he is a warrior. He, is, he has had battles in that ring. Uh, but when I think about last year's match, when I think about his match with Lesnar at WrestleMania 30, um, a guy who has had classic, classic WrestleMania matches, and, and in all honesty, Shawn Michaels can piss off because Taker's probably Mr. WrestleMania. Um, I don't want to see another bad match out of The Undertaker at WrestleMania. I think it's just, it's, it's, it's time. It's, it's just time. And, um, that's that's my stance on Taker. It's his life. It's his body. If he makes that decision to come back for one more match, good for him. I, I I'm not a big fan of that. I'm curious where you stand on it, Dave. All right, I'm gonna break this down 
There's going to be a lot of moving parts. So please bear with me to our listeners. Do you can, if you want to go brush the dog's teeth while you're doing that, by all means, you have my permission. All right. I'm glad you brought up the Ric Flair retirement. I was at that WrestleMania when he retired. I was there. I eventually went to the party afterwards. It was a big cry fest. Everybody that worked in that company was so sad to see him go. It looked like it was legit. He was done. Okay. Being a part of that moment, um, there's been very few times where I've cried watching something on TV in terms of wrestling. I could watch that show. This is us crying during the opening credits. That's how great. That's how <laughs> emotional that show gets for me. But, and before the story even started, but that was probably the first time I ever actually like cried when I saw Ric Flair walk up that ramp. And that was it when he lost to Shawn Michaels and I equate him returning and, and, Going to TNA a year later, that is very reminiscent of when Michael Jordan retired and he decided, I'm going to go play baseball in the minor leagues. Like, that's what, that's what I looked at with Ric Flair's retirement. And I was so upset because I felt like, God damn it, I was robbed of that special moment. I cried for no freaking reason, and now this asshole goes to work for another company and wrestles. Like, to me, I was just like, I was there for that moment. Like, I didn't want that moment to, to be tarnished. You know, me being there. I wanted to be one of those special people that sat in that stadium that night and said, he's done, and I was there for it, okay? I've rationalized it now to, the, to, to this day to say that, well, yeah, I was there for his last WWE match, but I wasn't there for his TNA run, that's for sure. Now, on the subject of The Undertaker, okay, after hearing your description of being just a fan and being there in person and not being a smart mark or whatever you wanted to describe it, I totally am on board with you, okay? Totally on board with you there. When I watched that match back, okay, the spectacle, the way he went out, okay, the, the, the match itself was not good, okay? I'm a Roman Reigns guy. I'm pretty sure you're a Roman Reigns guy. We've been defending Roman Reigns to the internet wrestling community for God knows how long now, but I felt like in Taker's last match, he shouldn't have gone out with a guy with, as little experience as Reigns, okay? Reigns is a great in-ring performer, but I don't think he's a very good storyteller as of yet. I think he's getting there, but I don't think he's a very good storyteller. And I felt like the build-up to get to the Mania with Reigns and Undertaker was very rushed. I think a lot of that had to do with Undertaker's health and the rumors of WWE management urging him to call it quits after last year. Um, I just felt it was very thrown together, um, I mean, Undertaker comes back to challenge Roman Reigns just because Roman Reigns fairly threw him out of the Royal Rumble match, which are the rules of the match. I mean, I just felt it was very – it was stupid. It was dumb, like the, the, the setup. The match was not great at all. Um, Reigns did the best he could. He's a talented performer. Undertaker's health wasn't the greatest, but it just was not a good match, and I felt like the ending, when he laid the hat down, and the lights went down, and everyone gave him the standing ovation. He walked up that ramp, and then he went down, and it disappeared, and the lights went black, and they went to credits, and that was the end of it. That was a phenomenal send-off, okay? That was a phenomenal send-off. But I thought getting to that send-off, it just didn't work for me. I felt like Undertaker deserved better. And that's no discredit to Roman Reigns. I just think a lot of different moving parts and different circumstances led to that. And, you know, Reigns is in, you know, is, is in experience. Taker's injuries. It was just not a good mesh. Okay. I get why they put those two together because they wanted Reigns to have that notch on his belt as they are building him to being the guy. 
okay? I understand that completely, and I get that. And I'm in some ways in support of that, okay? But I, uh, I, I go back to this. He is not that great of a storyteller. Great in-ring performer, but storyteller in a match with Undertaker, it, it, it works and it helps out. And that's where John Cena comes into play, okay? And before I get to John Cena, the symbolization of him laying the hat down and the coat and putting the gloves down and the gunslinger is it, that's done. It could lead you to believe that he's done. But at the same time, he never really came out and said, I'm done, I'm finished, it's over. You know what I mean? You saw that look on his face when he took the hat off and everyone just, and like that big sigh of relief came out and it was like, oh, like the weight had been lifted off his shoulders. It would all appear, at least to me, like he was done. Here I go rationalizing again, and I feel like because nothing was formally announced, because nothing was said, it would make you appear that he's done, but not really. Now here's where the setup with John Cena comes into play. I'm going to put my fantasy booking cap on, all right? If Undertaker comes out in two weeks on the Raw 25 special as himself, no dead man gear, you know, just as normal Mark Calloway, ready to announce his retirement in his street clothes, because he had put that Undertaker character away, and you kind of add some realism to it, and then Cena comes out and challenges him for one more match and says, after WrestleMania, you could do whatever you want, but I want one more shot at you before you call it quits. I think that would be a pretty cool setup. I think it would be something different, but it would still add to that aura and mystique of the Undertaker character. If he were to come out as like, you know, just if he were to come out as himself, I, I, and and, and want to announce his retirement, not come out with the hat and the lights and the fire and all that bullshit and the bells and whistles that he does. If he just came out as, as himself, I think it would just be so much cooler to set up with Cena. Now, the storytelling part. Cena's not the greatest in-ring technician, but he's a damn good storyteller. And I feel like at, at the stage in Undertaker's career, with his, with his list of injuries that he's had over the years, his health currently being the way it is right now, I think it would be a perfect – I wouldn't say perfect. I think it would be a damn good way for him to walk out if he were to end it with a guy like Cena because I feel like Cena can be such a good storyteller that bell to bell, you don't need all the flippy do's and the, and, the, and the 45 kickouts of finishers and all the other stuff that all the wrestling fans go crazy over these days. You would just need a good old-school, old-fashioned storytelling, and I feel like Cena is cut from that, from that cloth of old school. And to pair him with Undertaker – at WrestleMania, one more time, I feel like it, I, I, I could – to me, it works for me. Yeah, it may not work for you, Ken, but it works for me. I could see that happening, and I could see him being done after this. And, and, and to be quite honest with you, at the stage in Cena's career where he is, he's a part-time guy. He's making movies. He's doing TV shows. He's all over the place, okay? He's, you know, he's blowing up in the ways that The Rock did before The Rock officially left. I could see Cena being the – having that Undertaker spot where he comes and goes for special events, but he is revered as like, you know, a special attraction in many ways, like the undertaker was in the last seven or eight years of his career. So that's where I stand on this situation. I don't know what you think, but that's just me. Here's, like, it's interesting. Cause I, I think your story works. I, I really do. I, I think if, if they, if they decide they're going to bring him back, because let's face it, I mean, you know, whether it, it's, you know, Mark Calloway coming out or, 
you know, let's face it, his his American badass character is uh, probably closer to who the real man is. And there's been speculation that, you know, what if he doesn't come out as a dead man, but he comes out, you know, as American badass. Um, see, here's here, see my feeling. And, it, and I, I'm glad you, you brought it up because ultimately, like, we're, we're all fans. And then there, and I, I, I would be wrong if I didn't admit that. Yeah, I mean, a tear was shed by me, uh, you know, in this moment as as well. When, uh, you know, when Taker was taking the, the gloves off, the jacket off, that uh, um, the, the symbolism, if, if, you would, if you were a fan and uh, you'd been a fan and, you know, for us, I mean, I, my fandom goes back to uh, the early 80s. So, you know, I remember – Taker coming up. I remember him starting. I remember him with Brother Love. I, you know, Paul Bear, Million Dollar Man. I mean, the switching to American Badass. I mean, you know, the, the journey of, uh, you know, being an Undertaker fan. Uh, you know, I've been around for for the entirety of the career. So when you know he was folding up the jacket, and and the realization came to me that, wow, he's hanging it up. Um, it it it. it kind of hit home. Um, and, and I, I kind of get what you're saying where um, he, they never officially said he's retired and he never officially said uh, he retired. But on the flip side of that, the way I look at the undertaker is that the undertaker's always been a character of, of very few words, a character that, that doesn't, say a lot and a lot of what the undertaker is all about is is symbolism is moments is not not breaking that character not not becoming mark calloway just just kind of it, it's a lot about symbols and i you know when you uh you know the wwe inducts paul bearer into the hall of fame and he doesn't say a word. He just comes out, does his Undertaker thing, and, and, and everyone knows the fan of the Undertaker that that is how he is paying tribute to Paul Bear. Um, so, like to me, you know, and I get what you're saying, but him verbalizing his retirement is not something that I needed or really even wanted to see because to me, the character has always been about symbolism and, and moments and, and not necessarily verbally spelling everything out. And for me, and, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, and we, you know, you brought it up, I brought it up first. We were both talking about Ric Flair, you know, when Ric Flair retired to me, it tainted um, his retirement going to TNA and, and wrestling again. And I get it. He's a human being. He's a man. He needed a paycheck. Whatever you needed to do, going to wrestle or TNA, it is what it is. Um, the symbolism involved in, in that moment last year, I, I don't know if it gets any better than that. Uh, you know, I mean, if he has a five-star match and that's definitively his, his final match and he walks off this year's WrestleMania, um, yeah, cool. But is that going to be a better send-off than – Oh man, like I mean, sitting and then standing in, in that stadium as as he began to, you know, take the jacket off and, and fold it up, and just as as the realization really swept over the crowd that you know all of us thought that this could be it, but as as it 
as the realization kind of hit the crowd, it was kind of, wow, like this is really um, the end of an era. And, and, it, and really to me, you know, I think back of the, like the Undertaker wrestling Hulk Hogan early in his career, I, I look at a guy like that last tie uh, to the golden age of pro wrestling. And as that realization was hitting me and hitting the rest of the stadium, it was such a profound moment. Uh, as a wrestling fan, because like you knew, like when, when you saw Ric Flair, you knew once that three count was hit, as emotional as it was for you being in the arena, once that three count hit, you knew his career was over. That was the moment. Taker, it was a little bit different because there was this slow realization as things were happening that, oh my God, I think he's retiring. I think that's, he's, he's folding up the jacket. And, and then when he gave his wife a kiss, Again, a guy that's had this character so closely guarded, and that's kind of a break in character. For me, it was like he's he's done. Like this, this is it for him. And I don't know if he could have a more perfect send off. The other thing that I want, I really want to know, get your take on this because if he comes back to wrestle John Cena, and that's what they want to do. They want to the the the, the old school guy versus the the, the man of the centerpiece of this era of pro wrestling. Um, and, and that whole setup works. But to your point, you said that the rest of the company has kind of said, you know, his alleged retirement. Uh, and Roman Reigns has been the guy that's, I retired the Undertaker. How does Taker come back and not want to take on Reigns at Mania one more time to punch him in the mouth for bragging about retiring him. And I'm curious, like, I, I like your storytelling as far as him with Cena, but how do you kind of rationalize Taker saying, all right, sure. Yeah. I'll wrestle Cena, but I don't want to punch Roman Reigns in the mouth anymore. You know, it's funny you bring that up. Cause I was actually thinking about something. I was thinking about how things with, with all the big names that are going to be at the Raw 25 special, and I'm sure that they're going to have some surprises up up their, up their sleeves too, um, you know, considering the rumors surrounding The Undertaker's involvement on that show, which were resulting in his WrestleMania role against – rumored WrestleMania role against Cena, um, I felt like that there at least had to be some – you know, they had to cross some T's and dot some I's when it comes to Undertaker's involvement with Roman Reigns. Um, I would guess that there's two ways they can go with this. One, Reigns could come out and and still brag that he retired the dead man, and then that's when Undertaker comes out, and they could have some sort of in-ring confrontation, which would then result in Cena making the appearance and setting up Cena and Reigns, and then or Cena and Undertaker, and you could kind of have maybe Cena and Reigns fight over who's going to face Undertaker at WrestleMania. Maybe set something up for the 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 the, the Raw pay per view in in, in uh, February, where the winner of that gets to go on to face the Undertaker in the in his retirement match, so to speak. And that's another thing too. Like this can't be one of those situations where I and it's been beaten to death. I feel like that it's just one of those things that like wrestling. And WWE especially is beaten to the death. They call them career matches or, you know, career-ending matches or whatever. Like, I would love it if, like, 
if if Undertaker were to come back realistically and he were to, to, to agree to face John Cena or even Roman Reigns, let's just say, that he would just say, win, lose, or draw, I'm done. Like, it's it. I'm done. Like, after WrestleMania, it's over for me. This isn't like I'm fighting on for my career to live to fight another day. I'm done. Because realistically, I feel like that would make much more sense. Um, but on the subject of, of him, you know, he's and dot and eyes with Reigns, I could see, like I said, like, the two of them having some sort of in-ring confrontation. Maybe, like, maybe he goes to endorse Reigns and kind of shakes his hand and say, yeah, you put the old dog down. I don't have it in me anymore. And, 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 and you know, you did retire me. You're right. You know, he comes out, like you said, American badass, Mark Calloway kind of. And then that's where Cena makes his, makes his, uh, his uh, you know, entry into the, into the fold. Maybe a little tension with Reigns. Who's going to face Undertaker at WrestleMania? He challenges Taker to a match at Mania, but Reigns feels like, no, I retired him. He said he's done. Then the two of them fight over who faces him. I don't know. I, I could see something like that taking place, but I feel like they got bigger plans for Reigns. I've heard they do have bigger plans for Reigns. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't even acknowledge it at all and they didn't, you know, cross paths and Undertaker just goes straight to John Cena to set up WrestleMania. I feel like that they would just hope that we would forget about it. <laughs> yeah, it sucks being like wrestling fans that actually think about shit. <laughs> like, wait, it doesn't make sense. Um, I'm curious right now. You got, you got to bet your paycheck is, do we see Taker Cena this year at Mania? Yep. I do. And here's why. And this may sound stupid. Talked about it earlier. Ric Flair's retirement. Where'd that take WWE retirement? Where'd that take place? Orlando in the Citrus Bowl. Last year, Undertaker's alleged retirement. Where did that take place? Orlando in the Citrus Bowl. Nobody ever truly retires in Florida, in my opinion. And that's, that, that goes for Undertaker and, and Ric Flair. Now, WrestleMania, 34. Where is it going to be? New Orleans. Where did the streak end? New Orleans. I feel like Undertaker's going to be laid to rest, or he's going to call it a day where the streak was ended. The symbolism in that, I think, would, would help make up for re- doing last year over again. Kind of like, you know, it would make up for people thinking he was retired last year and he's not. Interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I'm really curious to see how exactly they're going to build this and, and how, you know, and going back to like, you know, I mean, they could, once they decide they're going to go in the direction of Cena, Taker, if that's where they go, um, you know, remember back to when, uh, you know, John Cena was a, a little a little puppy uh, coming up the ranks and uh, got the uh, approval on camera of uh, one, the undertaker. Um, so I'm sure like they could, they could, if they do it correctly, they could have the history of these two interwoven, uh, go back to that moment. Um, you know, John Cena, when, uh, you know, when, when he's allowed to can really cut a, a really solid promo. And uh, if, um, John Cena is allowed to, you know, you were the guy that, you know, when, when you gave me the, 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 okay, that I knew I was, I was ready for this business. And, um, you know, the build would be intriguing. Uh, you know, I'm going to be at mania this year. So, uh, if they send them off this year, I'll, hopefully I'll be at that moment too. But, um, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I don't know if the moment can be more perfect than it was last year, but it, it remains to be seen. And, and, uh, you know, it's interesting, Dave, because, you know, we go on hiatus and, you know, we always go on hiatus this time of year. 
And then it's like we're smack dab into it. It's like the road to WrestleMania all of a sudden. And, and so many, this is where the fantasy booking starts. This is where all the, the rumors start, um, you know, with the, the Raw anniversary coming up. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you. I mean, we've heard all the guests that are supposedly being there. I would love to see that the, the hatchet has been buried and Hogan shows up on, on the Raw anniversary show. I tend to doubt that. I'll pop. That will get a living room pop. But aside from Hogan, is there anyone that you're like hoping, and we'll talk more about this next week, but is there anyone you're hoping that you see on the Raw anniversary show? I mean, the list of names they've already got now, I was like, holy cow, they really are pulling out the big guns. Um, I'd love to see The Rock. I mean, I've always been a big fan of The Rock. Um, he's, one of my, he's one of my main guys. Um, but, yeah, I'm right there with you with Hogan, too. Um, and, and, like I said, there's surprises. Like, they, they're going to have surprises planned. Um, it's just going to be one big giant nostalgia parade for three hours. It's going to intermingle, you know, the, the, the main roster is taking a back seat, you know, to the rest of the, to the, to the rest of the legends. But I'm really, I mean, and I'm a big mark for the podcast, but you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing brother love make his return to Monday night, Raw. Bruce Pritchard, uh, very well deserved, especially with the success of his podcast. So yeah, probably him. And then, like I said, Hogan, I'm right there with you with Hogan, but rock too. If Rock can make it, I'm sure he'd be there. Um, yeah, so those are about. That's really about it. Everyone else that I like, they're already going to be there. So Eric Bischoff was revealed he was going to be there. So that's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to seeing that. That's awesome. I'm a big Eric Bischoff fan too, and uh, should be excited. I'm all I'm all for the the nostalgia as much as you know. I, I'm sure some performers aren't aren't crazy about the nostalgia thing, but uh, I'm I'm psyched to see some of the legends and. Uh, We'll get into that more so. And like I said, man, we're, we're on the road to WrestleMania. It's crazy. We're, we're heading to the Royal Rumble, and then obviously once the Rumble hits, uh, start to get a clearer picture of, of how Mania is going to start to shape up. And, uh, you know, tune in here each and every week, and we'll get you set for, uh, you know, everything going on in the world of pro wrestling. But I, I'm excited, Dave, when we talk about, you know, this year as we, as we move forward, I mean, I, I really look at our show and, and everything going on in pro wrestling that, you know, we've become kind of a very WWE centric kind of program. And that was based on interest and based on uh, phone calls we would get. But as, as the wrestling landscape changes, as uh, guys like Cody Rose and the Young Bucks are, are uh, financing their own shows, as guys like Jericho are out there wrestling for new Japan or on, on a cruise ship and, and how the, the business begins to change. And, and, and there's more and more things out there, more and more things for fans to see and be a part of. Um, there's going to be a lot of stuff for us to cover. So as I look forward to 2018, I, I, I I'm really excited to, to cover the world of pro wrestling, to talk about the different avenues, lots of great stuff. Tune in next week, you guys at six 30 as we'll, who knows what we're going to talk about next week. For Dave, I'm Ken. Good night, everybody. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.